Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, welcome everyone. So good to be with you. Particularly welcome if you're new. My name is James, James Levy, part of the team here at Gastry. And it's been so good just to worship and pray and be in the room together this morning. And that message of faith um, has been so good to receive. And I'm hoping and I'm praying this morning that as we open the Bible, as we worship together, that God will continue to speak to our hearts, that we will leave this morning changed and different because of an encounter with our Lord Jesus himself. So why don't I just pray before we start. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can gather freely this morning to worship you, to hear from your word. And Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would speak to each and every single one of us this morning, I ask. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, welcome once again. Hello, onlineers and those listening on the podcast. I don't know if anyone does that, but welcome to the podcast, people. Um, we have been looking at this series on stories of old, where we've been looking at some of the big hitters of the Old Testament. We've looked at Adam, we've looked at Abraham, we've looked at Jonah. And these are stories that in many ways are familiar, but actually as we look at their lives again today, what can we learn from them? What can we learn about God? And today we're going to continue by looking at the person of Rahab. Now, context time, just so we know where we're at in the Bible. Um, We're going to start the story of Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. So if you've got Bibles this morning, encourage you, open them up. If I get boring, which I'd say probably about two or three minutes in, you can just read the Bible. You'll have a much better time. And the Lord might speak rather than this guy over here. But the context is they have been, the Israelites have fled slavery. They fleed Egypt. They have been wandering the wilderness for 40 years by the leadership of Moses. Moses is then told he's not going to make it into the promised land. And the next person in line is a guy called Joshua. And we are only chapters away from that moment of them crossing into the promised land. And the first city that they're going to see is a place called Jericho, which interestingly has an abundance of palm trees. Anyone know that? No, I didn't know that. So picture modern day California if you want. Um, And for the reference, it's Deuteronomy 34.3. I'm not just making this up. So chapter two begins where Joshua sends two spies from Shittim into Jericho. They, who laughed? (laughs) Come on, no. It's just the scripture, guys. So Joshua sends two spies and they scope out what the land is going to be like. The spies want to keep a low profile. They want to be anonymous. So they find a house um, uh, who lives there with a woman named Rahab. Now Rahab is a prostitute. So in many ways, it was quite a good place to just keep underground that people wouldn't have visited there very often. The mission's going wrong already. Verse 2 says this. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now I imagine the king is someone who has a lot of power. If he says jump, you say how high? But what would Rahab do? The story continues in verse 4. But the woman, Rahab, had taken the two men and had hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I didn't know where they had come from. And at dusk, when it was time to close the city, they closed the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. 
There's a plot twist already. Rahab, for some reason, has lied to the officials. She's not only lied to them, but she's distracted them and said, quickly, if you go over there, you might even catch them, even though she knows exactly where they are. We continue, verse six. But Rahab had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So these two men, these two spies were now safe. They were being hidden by a woman who is so often overlooked in society. A woman that is despised by many, yet she had protected them. And these are the two men who in many ways, they're going to be part of the group who are going to overthrow the city. You'd imagine they carry this level of power that actually Rahab would be scared. But in verse 8 to 11, we begin to see why Rahab has done what she did. It says this, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show me kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign. We haven't got time to look at the full story this morning, but just to give you a bit of a whistle-stop tour of what happens next, um, the spies promise to protect Rahab in verse, four, in verse 14. The men then hide for some time. The spies then return to Joshua and say that the land um, that we're going to go to Jericho will indeed be ours. They cross the Jordan in chapter 3. In chapter 6, we have the Sunday school classic story of the walls of Jericho where they're told to march round for six days, once a day, and on the seventh day, you march down seven times, and then the walls just comp fell completely down. And Rahab was completely safe with her family, but everything else was destroyed. In many ways, this is a story worthy of a feature-length film. The unlikely saviour. Do you trust her? Do you not? Will she dob them in? Do you want to risk everything for this person who has said that she'll keep you safe? Will they all live happily ever after? These are the things that films love. But the question I've been thinking on over the past couple of weeks is why did Rahab do what she did? Why did she do what she did? Why did she risk her life for these men? Why did she disobey the king? In fact, this was a moment she could have transformed her life that she could have elevated herself, that actually she could have said, I found the spies. I've captured them. I've tricked them. They're upstairs. If you come in now, you'll get them and we'll all be safe. This was a moment she could have completely turned her story around. She could have had a fresh start, but that's not how the story goes. And I think when you look into the scriptures, the answer, the clue maybe, is that Rahab feared the Lord. And quite often we think that fear is a bad thing. And we, some of you will quote, but the Bible says, do not be afraid 365 times, one for each day of the week. But you're telling me fear the Lord? 
Like, what's that all about? But fear's not always a bad thing. Like, it's good to fear crossing the road. Like, if you just walk out willy-nilly, boom, you're going to be squished, right? When you're on holiday and you're looking at those lovely cliffs and you're getting a little bit close to the edge, it's good to be scared of the cliff because if not, you're going to go, and you're going to be squished. So fear isn't always a bad thing, but I think it's about having a level of respect and a level of honor. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says this, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. So I think for me and in my reading, when I think about fear of the Lord, it is about being in reverent awe of God's holiness. It's to have a deep respect of who God is, to honour God for all he is, for all that he's done. The God of great glory, of majesty, of purity and power. You see, in that moment, what we see is Rahab feared the king of kings more than she feared the king. She feared the king of kings, our God, more than she feared this earthly king. And fear of the Lord brings about a confidence within us of who God is. There's this lovely moment in verse 9 where Rahab says, I know that the Lord has given you this land. There's a confidence There's an assurance, and it continues in verse 10 and 11, because she has heard of all that God has done. Because she fears the Lord, she is confident in these promises. She's confident in what he's done, and therefore she trusts his word. And I think there's a challenge here for us today that as we we have these Bibles available to us, that actually we need to start getting a bit more familiar with them. We need to get familiar with the scripture. And then as we read the stories, as we read the encounters, we need to start trusting it as well. And as we begin to do this, our confidence in God will grow and it will radically change our lives. And I think there's a risk sometimes, and I put myself in this category, that as we, as we read the Bible, that sometimes these are just about nice stories. But there's a story in the middle about Jesus, this pretty remarkable guy, and it's quite nice. I think the Bible's so much more than that. I think faith is so much more than that. And again, I think there's a risk that even coming to church on a Sunday, we can get that, it's done. We've done the Christian bit in our lives. And I want to say to God, God, don't just take my Sundays. Have my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday, and my Saturday. I want to be all in for you because I still know there are moments in my life where I put myself first. Where I put myself first. I'm scared of what others may think. And therefore, I'll protect myself. And there are still parts where I fear man more than I fear God. And I need to say, Lord, I am sorry and I need your help. And that's where it's great to do that as a family, as a community today. You know, I want to be more like Rahab and say, God, I trust you and I believe you. And even if that means hiding the spies against this powerful king, I'm in. I'm okay. I'm okay. So the fear of the Lord is about developing a confidence in God, confidence that his word is true, confidence that he will keep his promises, confidence that he will never let us down. And as a church, we've been on this journey for a number of years and and Tim Hughes, our lead pastor, has been desperate to say, can we just be more confident in our faith? 
Can we be more confident in who God is? And it's a challenge. So how do we fear the Lord? I think it's actually pretty unglamorous. It's about repenting. It's about saying sorry. It's about getting on our knees before God. And as we do that, it will shift our perspective. We see in Joshua 2.11, Rahab said, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and the earth below. God is bigger than us. He's bigger than us. God is the God of the heavens and the earth. And the fear of the Lord is about saying, God, you're the God of my life, not me. You're the God of my life, not me. And as we do that, it will bring us freedom. It will bring us life and it will bring us hope. As I said at the start, we're looking at this series on stories of old. And who wants two for the price of one this morning? Who likes a bargain? Some of you. Crumbs. Right. Well, I've got, a, I've got another story for you. So there's a story of a man called Akan. And yes, it does rhyme. And you'll, and you'll see that in Joshua 6 and 7. And Akan, he's one of the cool kids. He's on the inner circle. I've never known quite what that's like, but it's nice to picture it. He was the model Israelite. He had the established genealogy, the family tree, which is shown in Joshua 7. I think as I think about a can now, in modern day terms, he probably drives an Aldi. That's what I think. Quite successful, quite powerful, very respectable man as well. So we've got a can the man. And in Joshua 6, we see the story of the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. And in that, there's a simple request that Joshua gives to the people. He says this in Joshua 6, 18, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. It's a simple command he gives the people. Just stay away from the things that might tempt you. Don't go anywhere near them. They're not good for you. They're not good for us as a community. Hugh, a can the man in his Aldi. Joshua 7, verse 1. But the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Kami, the son of Zimrah, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. Despite the simple command, Achan put himself first. He thought, it's too appealing. I've got to have what I see before me. But the risk was huge. The whole camp would be liable for destruction and the end is pretty brutal for a camp. You see at the end of Joshua 7 where he's stoned to death because of what he's done. And you might say, was that a bit unfair? Was that a just punishment? Was an example made of him to the people? And these are all valid questions. But I think one thing that we can take from this is that God cannot tolerate sin. God cannot tolerate sin. And as they've stepped into this new land in many ways with a fresh start, Akan's already trying to go back to the ways of old and God's saying, no, 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 we can't be doing this. So you've got this story of Akan in Joshua 6 and 7, but then we've also got this story of Rahab in Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. Rahab was the outsider. She'd been used by men. She'd be despised by women. But she was the one who feared the Lord. She was the outsider who trusted God. You know, we see in Joshua 6, 25, that her life was spared because of her faithfulness. And as you look at the biggest picture of Joshua, the commentators will say that Joshua, in many ways, is a story all about boundaries. 
and people crossing from one side to another, that actually the crossing of the Jordan is just one of those boundaries. But Rahab was invited in to this journey with the Israelites because she repented and because she trusted God. To use that imagery of crossing the Jordan, she's gone and joined the party because she was invited. But can the man, he was already invited. He was already part of the crowd in many ways. But his selfish desires got the best of him. And rather than crossing with the people, he crossed out of the community instead. And I share this story, I share these parallels as an encouragement, but also as a, cho- as a, as a challenge to us and a choice that we have to make. You see, the invitation as you look through Rahab's life, as even though she was someone who was despised, even though she was someone whose past was checkered, she was invited into the family of God, where God says, come and play your part. Come and play your part into a loving family. Come and play your part and know that I love you, Rahab. Even though you've messed up in the past, you're invited. But also, you see a can that actually, and I think this is a challenge, particularly for those who've maybe called yourself Christians for a number of years. Maybe you're in positions of authority that a can got ahead of God. He said, I know what is best here. Not you, God. I know what is best. So what do we do in, in that challenge? How do, we, how do we deal with this? And I think, it, again, it comes back to this first point, all about fearing the Lord. Rahab, she feared the Lord. Even though she was an outsider, she feared the Lord and then she was included. But Achan, the man, he didn't fear the Lord and therefore we see what happens to him. So in many ways, it's just two very simple points this morning. It's to say fear the Lord, but also to say that you're invited. It's to say that you're invited and as I come to close, I'm gonna invite the band up. But what Rahab did was Rahab left a legacy. Now, to be honest, if people are talking about me 100 years after I've died, I'd, I think that's pretty amazing. I'd be like, hmm, I did a good job. I did a good job. But we see Rahab 1,400 years later. We see her life documented. And actually, Rahab was used to save so many more people because it was through Rahab's family line that Jesus himself was born. We see this in Matthew 1, verse 5. Jesus, who was the Son of God, who walked humbly. Jesus, the Son of God, who set people free, who released the captives, who spoke to those who'd been overlooked and marginalized. And Jesus was innocent, yet the authorities, they didn't like what he was doing, and they sentenced him to death, death on a cross. And in that moment, as he hung there on the cross, he took all the sin, all the shame of the world on his shoulders in that moment, so that you and I can be free today. And then three days later, not even the weight of sin, not even the weight of death could hold him back because he rose again in freedom. And what I love about the story of Rahab was how her life was transformed from at the start where she'd been overlooked and despised to then how we see her in the New Testament. In Hebrews eleven thirty one, she's described as a woman of faith. In James 2, 25, she's described as being righteous. You see, Rahab's life was turned around because of her faithfulness, because she repented, and because of the grace of the Lord that's available to her. And as I close, I just want to pose a couple of questions for us this morning. How are we going to be more like Rahab this week? 
How are we going to be people who fear the King of Kings more than man, more than the world? How are we going to hold the perspective that God is the God of the heavens and the earth and not us? Maybe this morning is a moment where we need to come and get on our knees before God and just say, we've got it wrong and we need to shift our perspective. Or maybe we need to think about that invitation. You know, Rahab in many ways, she didn't deserve the invitation of faith. And maybe you're in this room now going, because of my past, I don't deserve an invitation. I don't deserve to be part of God's family. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough because of this or because of that. There's no way God wants to have a relationship with me. There's no way God can love me because of what I've done. It might be that sort of metaphorical invitation has been sat on your kitchen side for a number of years. And you've gone, what do I do with that? Well, maybe this morning is the opportunity for you to open it and say, God, I'm here. I'm available. What do you want to do with me? And this is the amazing thing about God is He doesn't discount you because of your past. He says, I want to use you to do remarkable things in your homes, in your communities, in your workplaces. All you've got to do is say, yes, I'm in. God, have your way with me. So my prayer for us this morning, Gastry, is that we will be a church that is faithful. My prayer is that we will be a church that will say, God, you're the God of everything. Help us to submit and surrender to you. Help us to be bold. Help us to be brave. And as we step into this relationship with God, as we step further into what he's calling us into, it is there that we will find our purpose. It is there that we'll find true freedom. And it is there that we will know how much we are loved. Why don't we stand as we respond? And the beauty of, of these summer gatherings where um, we've got everyone in is we try and keep things a little bit tighter, but what also that means we've got a lot more space as well. And what we're going to do now is I'm going to um, just give anyone an opportunity to respond to that invitation of faith, to say, Jesus, I'm in. I've heard of what you've done for me, that you've set me free from my sin. Even though I've done dot, 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 you want to forgive me this morning and you want to set me into new life with you. So I'm going to pray and we're going to make a decision in a moment. The band are then going to continue to lead us in worship before Nick and Hazel will sense what, what God is doing and we might have a bit further time to pray. But there's going to be a prayer that's going to come up in the screen, on the screen in a moment. And what we're going to do is we're all going to pray these words out together, nice and loud, nice and proud. Because in many ways, we all need to remind ourselves of these promises to say, God, thank you. Thank you that you love me. We all need to come before God this morning and say, God, we're sorry. We know we've got it wrong. And we all need to say, Spirit of God, would you come and fill us afresh once again? Every day, Lord, we need your Spirit. And then after that, I'm going to ask if anyone's prayed that prayer for the first time. So let's pray this loud and proud together. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you know me and love me completely. I know I have made mistakes and now I ask for your total forgiveness. I turn away from everything I know is wrong and today I choose to put my faith in you and say yes to following you. Please come into my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit now. 
Amen. I'm just going to ask you if you could just all bow your heads for a moment. And if you just prayed that prayer for the first time in a long time or for the first time ever, can I just ask you just to pop up your hand nice and high right now. And the reason for that is, is you know tomorrow that you've prayed that prayer, but also we can give you a little gift to support you in your faith. Brilliant. So if you pray the prayer, let's put your hand up nice and high. Amazing. Thank you so much. One over there. Yeah, amazing. Another one down here. Amazing. Three. Yeah, make sure you just catch your eye nice and high. I can see a couple of people over here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the five people who have just made the best decision of their life to follow you. And God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. And God, would you bless them and would you protect them as they go out of here this morning, we ask. Amen. Amen. Why don't we just give God a huge round of applause for welcoming these people. Amazing. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.